Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast. Thank you again for coming and listening. This is our August monthly missions news update. This outline that I'm going to go through, it closely follows our prayer letter. Um, In fact, the information I'm going to present to you follows our prayer letter exactly. So if you've read our prayer letter, you might find this somewhat redundant. Uh, You may want to read it and hear it. You may only want to read it or you may only want to hear it or (laughs) whatever whatever your particular taste is. Here it is. This is our monthly missions news, and uh, I'm excited to get this out to you and tell you what's going, what happened in the month of August. And um, we are a couple of days into September at this point. And uh, as I get all this material, this content prepared and sent out for your listening and reading pleasure. Soon we'll be back to doing video as well. Uh, it's taken me a while to get things squared away, but we've got our you know, some of you have followed along as I've talked to you about our exploration of different operating systems and computers. And of course, we've also had a few struggles with cameras. It had been my intent to do the entire book of Haggai on camera. Um, but with us now on Sermon Audio, it allows me to do audio, video, and podcasting all in one place, which is a tremendous blessing and is a major benefit of. That's a lot of content in one place. And so uh, we are now just about in a position to be able to start doing video again. So soon it'll be for your reading, listening, and viewing pleasure. <laughs> I'm sure you're excited about that. You get to see my lovely face on camera. Now, August 2022, who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. That's Proverbs 31 verse 10. And there's a reason that passage headlines our our prayer letter this month. You know, we we are a people, as in Christians, who should understand. You 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 should be amongst the people. If you if you're listening to this, it is likely you are a Christian, and uh, we should be amongst the people who understand that what Christ did, His sacrifice for us, His mercy, His grace, His goodness. All these incredible things from Christ to us means that 
He deserves our undivided fidelity. There's no reason to to have an idol in your life, to put something else before Christ, considering what he has done for you already and what he is going to do for us when we pass from this life into, into eternity. Now, considering him who both endured and finished, it is only reasonable that we would carry on as living sacrifices on his behalf. Lord hasn't asked us to die, though that could be possible, especially with the direction the world's going and the insanity of the people who are gaining power all over the world. It may well go that way, but that's not what he's asked us to do. He's asked us to be a living sacrifice. In fact, he said it's just reasonable for you to be a living sacrifice. But then let's let's consider him further. His love to usward. Why would we fail to keep close quarters with our Lord and our God when when He's done so much for us? Why 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 do we not why do we not maintain that close relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? By His own admission, He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why would you deny Him? Why would you refuse Him His find? Why would you not give him what he's searching for? He's so good. It is worthwhile to be with the Lord. Now, I fail to understand how closeness to Christ enriches our lives in every way, and yet man is determined to place the Lord outside knocking. What's even more dumbfounding to me is the fact that he stands outside and knocks. (laughs) Could you imagine if that were me or you? You don't want me? Fine, (laughs) I'm leaving. No, the Lord stands right outside the door, patiently knocking, hoping someone will let him in, sup with him, fellowship with him, spend time. Let's, let's, Let's get down there with Mary at his feet. Let's take advantage of that, of that good part, that better part. Now, what makes us do this? What makes us act this way? What makes us Be so distant with the Lord that so loved us and and died for us and and paid for our sins. Is it some sense of the thrill of the chase, but with eternal consequences? (laughs) Is this a game we really want to play? Not only should we consider the goodness of Jesus Christ, but you should also consider the eternal consequences of playing this, this game. I don't understand why we would do this. I don't understand why we would act this way. I don't understand why we would deny the Lord what he he so thoroughly deserves. When Christ saves that which was lost, he rejoices. We, we, We know that. We read that in Scripture. The Bible says there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Now, we, that is often interpreted as the angels rejoicing, but it says there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. That, that, that seems to be pointing to the Lord. He's rejoicing. Now, on the flip side of that, when that which, is, when that which was lost is saved by Christ, <laughs> they keep one foot near the leeks in Egypt. Why? Now, as you can imagine, this makes relationship maintenance with your God, whom you deliberately keep this space between you and him, it makes relationship maintenance somewhat somewhat tense, somewhat difficult. I, I'm just going to be honest. I struggle with relationships. I'm not good at relationships. And I see that in my relationship with the Lord. Not, not that he has any problems. It's me that has the problem. Well, it's still good despite 
my failure, despite my difficulties. The love of Christ for the redeemed is illustrated in God's word by husband and wife. That relationship is, it often pictures the relationship between, you know, the the bride of Christ and him being the bridegroom. And and our relationship together is pictured by the relationship between a husband and wife. But I perceive that many marriages fail and many who belong to Christ fail precisely because of this, this game of chase, the space that we try to force between us. If your marriage relationship was the same way, it, it wouldn't last. It wouldn't stand. No relationship can survive if both parties are not thoroughly involved, including your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not suggesting you can lose your salvation, but you can certainly lose your... The Bible is very clear. You, you, can, you can be in a position where you, do not, you are not capable, you are not able of fellowshipping with the Lord your God. He's in the light. If you're going to go hang out in the dark, he is there. He wants you to come boldly to the throne of grace. But if you never go, that's a problem. What am I alluding to? What am I getting at? I have a wonderful wife. August 4th was my wife's birthday. It's, it's, we're a couple days into September. September 1st was, is our anniversary, uh, our eight year anniversary. We've been married eight years as of September 1st, 2022. And I have to echo the Lord's sentiment. Her price is far above rubies, rubies. I have a wonderful, wonderful wife. I cannot overemphasize her value. And, and I, I understand you, you may or may not want to sit and hear someone brag about his wife. I get that. I understand that. But, but I'm going to take some time, and, and I did it in this prayer letter, and I'm going to do it in this episode of the Monthly Missions News to brag about my wife. Missionary wives are rarely ever heard from. They do so much in the background, and, and so much of what they do makes my ability to be successful and functional happen. And, and without her, it couldn't be done. My, my children, our ministry, our relationship, so much of that, the functionality of our home, the cleanliness of our home, the good food that we get to eat, so much, so many aspects of my life are, are greatly enriched by my wife. And I think we take for granted that, that those things are fundamental that they're 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 just of course she's taking care of the home that's what a wife's supposed to do well yeah does your wife (laughs) does every man's wife no the 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 selfless attitude of my wife it's humbling she is a help that is meet for me and in so many ways she far exceeds we've been married eight years but I cannot remember, nor am I able to imagine life without her. I don't even, I can't even recollect. I can't, I can't bring myself to comprehend what it was like to live without her. You know, and we didn't get married till I was 32. I'm four, you know, you don't want to hear these numbers. (laughs) I was about 32 when her and I got married. So for 32 years of my life, I lived by myself, for myself, and I can't, I can't imagine what that was like. I couldn't imagine, you know, our children, my, my, my daughter is not even two years old yet. She'll be two years old October 5th. My son is four months old. I can't imagine 
I can't imagine going back to life without them. God has been very good to me. My wife is a selfless servant and happily follows my clumsy leadership. Um, This may come as a shock to you, but I don't always make the right decisions. I don't always do things the right way. She never complains. I, I have made it a habit to ask her for her input because she's wise. She's content when you ask Advice from a wise and content person, you tend to get wise and content answers, (laughs) and and they need to be weighed heavily against your options. And um, then it comes to our children. Our children thrive in wisdom and stature because they have a faithfully concerned mother to care for them. My wife is the kind of woman, the kind of person who needs extra sleep. You know, she was never one to really sleep in late. But she used to go to bed early and then she would get up, you know, seven o'clock, somewhere around there. She needed a good, she needed eight hours of sleep. She is up multiple times through the night in, in such a selfless manner, never complains, never wakes me up and says, you go get the kids or you go get, get the baby. Usually she's taking care of the baby. I typically take care of Bethany. She takes care of, of Adrian. She takes care of the baby in, in, in the middle of the night. But she never complains. And though she is the kind of person who needs extra sleep, she would gladly sacrifice her sleep to take care of her children. Bethany and Adrian, Bethany is unbelievably smart. She's not two years old. She probably has five or six Bible verses memorized. She knows colors. She knows numbers. She knows days of the week. She knows months. She knows all these things that she has learned before before she reached two years of age. Because she has a mother who sits with her and teaches her and talks with her and reads to her and just helps to helps her to thrive. And I have no doubt it'll be the same for Adrian when he reaches that point. So for me, I will thank my God well into everlasting for the gift he gave me in this life, which which is my wife. I, I am praise God. I'm thankful. Now, an exciting development regarding uh, Kristen is that she is in the process of planning and and establishing a new ministry. Um, As we've been here, families are broken all over the world, but the family dynamics in Uganda are horrendous, even in Bible-believing churches. And um, my wife wants to spend time monthly with with the mothers of Masaka Independent Baptist Church and, and she wants to teach them and, and focus on practical matters related to having a godly home and do what she can to build these ladies up and teach them how to have a godly home. And my wife is abundantly qualified. I mean, I, we don't have grown children, but if you saw the, the direction and quality, and I, I say this objectively, if my, if my children were, were disobedient, I'd tell you. In fact, I, I'd tell you and I'd be dealing with it. But but we have wonderful children because I have a wonderful wife who, who allows me to go out and minister and serve the people of Uganda while she stays home and takes care of our home and children. And she does an excellent job. So pray for her as she plans to establish this ministry. She hopes to get it going by the end of this year, pretty soon, uh, where she, she will basically invite these ladies over to our home. And she's just going to spend time with them, teaching them, as the Bible says, how to love their husbands and how to love their children. 
and how to do that in a godly way and establish in, in the home, in their homes, a godly home. Please pray for this ministry. Uh, they, they, de- they desperately need this help. And, and uh, I'm thankful that my, my wife came up with this on her own. This is her idea. And, and I have no doubt she will do an excellent job. So please pray for these things uh, as, as they develop. Now, with family in mind, August opened with another Triennial Bible Institute. And, and again, just for those of you who don't know, uh, I work here with Keith Stensis. Uh, Keith Stensis has been teaching what he calls a triennial, triannual Bible Institute, or TBI, for, for years. And uh, what, what he does is, is there are, he has a Bible school here independent of the, tri, the TBI. Uh, the TBI is exactly what it is, three times per year. He brings men who are not able to leave their house and home because it, it's, again, some of these things are difficult anywhere in the world, but in Uganda, they work and live to survive daily. Now, they don't have to. I don't agree that they have to. I think they could do like anyone is expected to do and save their money and, and, and think ahead, think about their future rather than just trying to survive for today. But this idea of surviving today is a deeply rooted mentality that, that is in their culture. Again, they, they need to break away from that and follow a biblical mentality. But as long as they're stuck in this mentality, it's difficult for them to break free from their daily responsibilities and, and come to a, a Bible school here in Masaka. So what Brother Keith has done to facilitate uh, their needs is, is put together a, a, a Bible institute where they basically get a full semester worth of information in one week. And uh, it's an intense week. It's, it lasts you know, Monday to Friday. Friday is a half day, but Monday through Thursday is eight to 10 hours a day of, of just cramming their heads full of Bible, Bible teaching. And um, it's a blessing. It's been profitable and helpful. Uh, Brother Keith is tweaking it and making some changes to it to try and make it more profitable and helpful. But Overall, it's a, it's a tremendous blessing. Now, this TBI focused on the family, which was desperately needed. And um, the Lord helping me, teaching the Bible is what I absolutely love it. I will spend the rest of my life teaching the Bible. Uh, I don't care if I'll set some stones in front of me and teach them. Whoever wants to listen, I will teach the word of God to anybody that wants to take the time to listen and learn. Uh, I, I want to learn. I continuously learn. I study. I read. I record. I, I take notes. I try to find the relationship in those notes and and, and help it create a more fund more fundamental connections between various doctrines and ideas and all these wonderful things. I absolutely love it, and so I, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to teach in these TBIs and also in the Bible school when those times come up. But these people need biblical families, and that's what this TBI was focused on. Now, for my part, I was given the um, wonderful opportunity to teach on disciplining your children. And I taught on two different days. The first day was on disciplining your children. The second day I taught on the very happy topic of adultery and fornication. (laughs) Praise the Lord. (laughs) Um, So you can imagine how those two topics went. I got to be the bad guy for the week, but that's okay. It, it's, it was all Bible teaching and it was very, uh, it was very necessary. Adultery and fornication is a huge problem here, but they don't see it that way. They, they, 
you know, many Ugandans have bought into the idea that it's okay. There's no problem with adultery and fornication. It's just part of life. You just, you know, it's like breathing air. We did our best. I did my best on that day to make sure that is not the case, to help them understand um, you better not let us catch you caught up in adultery and fornication. There are lots of things we can we can help you with. Adultery and fornication, how are we supposed to help you? Now, there, there is a means of restitution and, and restoring people who get caught up in those things, and we will abide by that. But not without taking out a chunk of flesh first, because you deserve it. You know, people say it was, it was an accident. Which part was an accident? I didn't mean to. You didn't mean to. Which part did you not mean to do? Taking your shoes off? <laughs> what about your pants and your shirt? What about going to that clandestine location? It wasn't a mistake. At least be honest and say, I made 100 mistakes leading up to this. <laughs> so we tried to set a proper tone regarding adultery and fornication. It is not acceptable. It is ungodly and God hates it. And so we don't want God to hate you. So we, we, we wanted to do our best to teach them that it would not be acceptable. It would be dealt with harshly here as directed by the Bible. Uh, you can be restored, but most people who get caught up in adultery and fornication, they don't want to be restored. They want to continue in their adultery and fornication. Um, as, as we observe the familial interaction here in Uganda, we're amazed by the dynamics, the things that we see, the things that they do, the way that they live, their homes. You know, it's you would need to come here and see it for yourself. There's no if I were to explain it to you, you wouldn't get it. You don't have a proper reference point. You would just need to come see it. Um, they they have a strange admixture of the modern world. And then the, the, the deep shadows of Ugandan village superstitions. And, and when you bring them together, they make strange bedfellows. And, and you come up with some really odd ideas that you have to deal with in families here. Um, decisions regarding children are made in accord with deeply rooted cultural beliefs, not the Bible. That's a problem. You might say this sounds familiar. This is what they do in our country. Yeah, I, I get it. The word of God seems to play no role in family relationships here. We are, we are unbelievably pleasantly surprised when we find a family that at least somewhat resembles biblical orientation. Um, I, I can only think of two or three out of the 50 to 60, 70 people who came to that TBI. Their present were probably only two or three that, that, that have any real biblical orientation. This is a big need in this country. Um, Brother Keith said, you know, part of the, the motivation for this TBI, uh, I had told him about one of, one of the men that I, I love and admire deeply, and I've mentioned this fact several times on the podcast, is Ron Ralph. To my, to my knowledge, every year over the summer, they suspend all their, their Sunday school and, and, and um, uh, all, all their morning activities during Sunday school they bring everybody into the auditorium, and brother and brother Ron preaches on the family for three months straight every year, and it shows that church has strong families. And if more of our churches don't place this type of emphasis on families, 
I mean, that is the foundation of your church and your society. Your church and your society are as strong as its families. And, and its future are dependent upon those families. And, and so uh, Brother Keith took that to heart and wanted to have this TBI because it's necessary. And he encouraged the pastors present to start making, placing a yearly emphasis on family. And uh, so, Lord willing, we, we hope they take it up and we hope you take it up. Whoever you are, wherever you are, family, family, family. Find out what a godly family is and do it and teach it and spread it. Because, you know, the, the antithesis to that is being, you know, they have their evangelist. Some purple, green-haired freak, freak of a person that you can't tell if it's a male or a female. They're out teaching your children and, and your society what they think a family is. And we just sit back looking at it saying, I can't believe they're doing that. Well, I can't believe you're not. <laughs> I can't believe you're not out teaching what a family is, what a godly family is, what a biblical family is, so that you can counter this garbage and shut these people up. Their mouths must be stopped, but somebody's got to go out there and stop it. So I, I encourage you to, to get involved in those things. This TBI was desperately needed, and, and it appeared to be well-received. Well only time will tell if this reception found any place in their homes. So uh, both husband and wife were free to attend this TBI. That is not normal. Normally, it's just the men. Um, but because of the focus on the family, we uh, Brother Keith had them bring husband and wife. So please pray for these families as they try and break the cultural cycle that hinders them from living according to the Word of God. Um, now, to further add to this cultural confrontation, uh, I, I did teach for Brother Keith in the, in the Masaka Bible College. Um, the, the last class covered Titus. He was teaching through the pastoral epistles, um, as they are called. I'm not, I'm not sure why they're called the pastoral epistles instead of the, the bishop's epistles, but uh, <laughs> that's a topic for another day. So um, I taught Titus chapter 2 and T Titus chapter 3 on Brother Keith's behalf. Uh, please pray for Brother Keith and Miss Sally. They have really, they've really had a rough year. And um, part of that difficulty has come by way of Miss Sally's um, many and varied um, medical problems. She, she's had to have multiple eye surgeries this year. She's had multiple knee problems. I don't, I, I know she's had multiple small procedures on her knees and lots of testing and things, but the, the eyes, her eyes seem to be doing well, but her knee, her knee, she really needs a lot of prayer right now. They're, they're getting frustrated and, you know, Uganda is limited in its ability to do any real in-depth analysis on those things. They do have some options here and um, she's just really having a difficult time. They, she had surgery on her knee. It's been infected off and on. It is not recovering She's in a lot of pain. They've had to drain fluid off of it. It's just really been a problem. So anyways, I say all that to say that I taught on Brother Keith's behalf so he could take Miss Sally to Kampala and, and do some follow-up for these, these medical issues. So please pray for them. Uh, they are Brother Keith and Miss Sally have been a tremendous blessing to me and my family since we've been here. We are grateful and thankful to have them here. We hope you will pray and help that, that the Lord will help them and get these things worked out. So so in his stead, I taught Titus chapter 2 and chapter 3, and um, it was this this semester's last class 
And it, and it really allowed us to explore some great biblical concepts. Uh, there's just so much rich material in those chapters, which I'm, I'm sure you know. But one notable idea that is unique to Uganda, they literally have no aged men. Or they maybe a more accurate statement is they have very, very few. Um, they, it's just, they're just not here. Uganda is peculiar in that they are a very young population. And um, <laughs> with a young population comes mindless immaturity. And it is deeply rooted in their society. They, they, don't, they don't have those angry, grumpy, aged men to rebuke them for their childish affairs. And it shows. You know, that's why in Uganda, you can, you can drive through town, any town, blasting music so loud that it rattles everybody's walls within, within, you know, a football field's distance. It's so frustrating. Um, but they don't think they're doing anything wrong. They think it's perfectly acceptable. Now, if you go and you ask the people, they hate it. It frustrates them, but nobody says anything about it. Nobody does anything about it. Uh, they'll set up a carnival in the middle of town. They just had what they called street jam in Masaka a couple weeks back where they literally block off the center of town and set up speakers two, three stories tall and just blast music all night. It's a very childish, immature society because they have no aged men. The whole society is dominated by people who are in their 20s and younger. And it's a big problem. So now, the, the, the ministry of the aged men and the aged women to the young men and the young women, it is already a ministry that is rarely ever taken up. Taken up. Even in places where they have ample aged men and aged women, they just don't do it. It just doesn't happen. Well, in Uganda, they simply fail to have aged men and aged women to take up this ministry. And who knows if they would, if... if they were around, but for now, they're not. They, they don't even have, they, they have very few people alive in this country who were around for Idi Amin. That was in the 70s, late 70s, I believe. <laughs> and there are, not, there, there are very few people alive in this country who were around at that time. In fact, many young people think Idi Amin was a good person because <laughs> they're too ignorant to know otherwise. They, they don't have enough maturity in this country for somebody to say, no, we don't want to do that. We don't want to go there. We don't, we don't praise men like that. There was nothing good about what Idi Amin did in this country. Their current president, uh, President Museveni, uh, he, he's been their president for 30 plus years, 30, going on 35 years, somewhere around there. He's all they've ever known. Literally 80 to 90% of the country have only ever known President Museveni as their president. He's, he's at the end of his ability to be president. It's, it's in the next five to 10 years, it's coming. He's, he's going to have to, he's either going to pass away or he's going to have to step down or, or um, he's at the end of his ability to be president. It's coming soon. When that is, who knows? Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting. I mean, he seems to be running strong right now. Every time you see him, he's, you know, I mean, during the pandemic, he was doing exercises on camera for the country, for the country to see. 
And uh, so I'm, I'm not suggesting he's, you know, lost his steam. I'm just, he's in his eighties, I believe at this point. I mean, he can only go so much longer. There's nobody intellectually or politically savvy enough to take his place. They just don't have anyone. And so it's going to be some young person who is immature. I mean, you know what that's going to cause. This is Africa. If he's weak, they're going to run over him and may even kick him out of office. And so far, the people that they've held up as potential future replacements have been, everybody knows that that person is going to get run over. So pray for the the brutish immaturity of this young country. Now, that being said, just, just a side note, when I examine the Western world, that seems to be the direction the West is going. It's, it's like they, they want to move in that direction. That's a bad idea. It's a very bad idea. You know, you see 50, 40 and 50-year-old women trying to dress like some trashy 16-year-old in America. It's disgusting. And it's childish and brutish. And the more our country has that direction, the more it will resemble somewhere like Uganda. And I understand we live in a time when people think indigenous people have, have some sort of <laughs> familial superiority. That's an idiotic idea. That's got to be coming from people who have never been to the third world and seen what families are like. There are some good qualities, but overall, you don't want to live the way they live in the third world. You don't want your country run the way it's run in the third world. Now, we're, we're, we're getting a taste of that with the corruption in our government now. But, but that's a relatively, it's a relatively new thing for us, at least at this level. We've always had our problems. We've never had this level of corruption where the, the president of the United States is a senile old man whose son is a crackhead and has direct ties between him and, and corrupt politicians in China and Russia. It just, we, we've never had this type of, um, this type of corruption. Anyway, so I hope that trend is put to an end in our country. And, and I pray that Uganda grows up and gains some maturity. And, and the way I put it to the people in my class, like you're going to have to be those people who break, who break these cultural ties, who break these cultural constraints and, and demonstrate what it, what it means to be a Bible-believing Christian in a young and immature society. And, and it's my hope that they, that they do that. We, we've got some good people here that are, um, especially the, the ones up and coming in the Bible school, there, there are some in there that are just excellent young men and women. So please pray for them. Pray for Uganda as they mitigate their, their strong cultural pulls to establish biblical lives. And um, now we... We continue to further confront the culture here by way of public ministry. And uh, as of August, we have been street preaching in Masaka town for one year now. Praise the Lord. Uh, the ministry has been a tremendous blessing. Uh, about a dozen people from the church have proven themselves to be faithful soul winners through this ministry. It's just given them an outlet and a way to, to demonstrate their desire to serve the Lord and, and to do it. When the church has multiple organized opportunities for the people in the church to get out and serve the Lord Jesus Christ, it just strengthens their life and their resolve and, and, and 
uh, gives them such rich experiences. They come to church all the time talking about the wonderful things that happen, good and bad. You know, they take it for what they are. They laugh about it. They enjoy it. They they have these rich experiences that came through their service to Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. That's what my church back home provided for me, and, and now that is established here. So um, now the, the problem is, though, back, back to Uganda, uh, Ugandans are the most receptively uninterested people I have ever encountered. That's a lot to unpack. <laughs> um, I, I'm thankful. They, they receive tracks. They do. They are receptive in that way. They will take the track for the most part. Seven, eight, nine out of ten people will, will take a track from you. Uh, you, you know, those few two, that, that, that two, to, um, two to three people who don't, um, usually they just say no. Some of them are defiant. But seven to nine out of, out of every ten people, that's a pretty good ratio. The problem is they receive the tracks, but the longer I'm here, the harder it becomes for me to confuse that with sincere reception. They are not actually receptive. They don't want the gospel. They don't care. If they get saved, they don't want to come to church. If they make a profession of faith in Jesus Christ, there's a, there's a strong chance you will never see them again. That's just the reality here. Um, it's an unfortunate reality. But, but initially, the idea that people would take a tract, <laughs> people would stop and talk to you, was so overwhelmingly... Uh, it was such a such a joy and a blessing. Uh, the reality is they don't care. A, a lot of it is I'm curious to hear what you have to say, but when I, once I hear what you have to say, I don't really care about that. Um, some of it is they just don't want to be rude, and and so they'll take the track because they don't want to be rude, or they'll talk to you for a few minutes because they don't want to be rude. Um, but generally speaking, they're not interested. Now, I'm not going to fail to be excited that thousands of tracks go out, and it's a good thing. It's better for those people to have God's Word in their hand than not. What they do with it is up to them. That's, that's not our, our responsibility is to deliver the good news. It's not our responsibility to get some sort of result. And uh, so we're going to keep doing it. I, you know, their reception is not, is, not, is not a factor in our analysis as to whether we should preach the gospel in the streets or not. It's, it's biblical for us to be out publicly in the open air, preaching the gospel, holding up signs, passing out tracts, doing all that we can to remind people that Jesus Christ saves sinners. But I've come to the realization that we are not sowing seed on ground that is as good as I thought. It turns out it may be a bit more stony than I anticipated. But that sower in the Bible continued sowing. He didn't stop and say, let me, let me analyze the ground and, and go from there. He just, he just sowed. Get the seed out. Either way, it pleases God. And we will continue to break up the fallow ground and sow seed and water and pray that God will give the increase. And we have had increase. So pray for us as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to a, to a needy, needy people. They don't even understand their need, but they're needy. Um, now, the results are not all bad. In fact, there's one particular situation. Um, there's a man that I've been working with. His name is Laban. And uh, since we started our public ministry there, I mean, a year ago, Laban has been, he's a, he's a Boda Boda driver. What that means in Uganda is um, 
they boda boda drivers are, are are motorcycle taxis and they are in overabundance <laughs> in Uganda. Um, there are I, I couldn't even begin to tell you how many there are, hundreds of thousands, um, maybe maybe even more. So but the idea or the, the what, what's happening here is is where we stand and preach at the market in front of us is the is where the boda drivers wait for people to who need a taxi who, who need a ride and um you know the the motorcycle taxis are the cheapest form of of um consistent you know taxi in uganda and so they they stand there and they wait outside the market and we're preaching to people going into the market and um when they come out you know the boda guys are sitting there and so they sit for hours and you know we, we preach for an hour and a half every friday out at the market and these guys sit there and listen to us preach and so one of them his name is laban uh, actually several of them will come over and talk to me uh there's two that do it consistently and faithfully laban is one of those two and um but but he's been the most interested in what we're doing you know they're ex- he's a pentecostal he's excited about what we're doing out there uh he, he enjoys hearing us preach the gospel um yeah you know, his Pentecostal background comes with lots of doctrinal confusion, but he's just a sweet spirited guy. And he comes over and we, our initial conversation, we talked about salvation and we talked about, um, you know, dreams and visions. And, and he's really caught up in those things. And in Africa, those things can take some really strange forms. Um, but we've always been able to have good civil conversation. And it turns out as he sits there weekly, he listens to the Ugandan men from our church. They stand up, they, they have a, a speaker with a microphone and they preach publicly. They preach the gospel. He listens to their preaching and then he takes what he's learned back to his church, his Pentecostal church, and he preaches it. That's a tremendous blessing. That's somebody who's getting help and we didn't even know it. I mean, I didn't even find out he was doing this. He's been doing this for a year. I didn't find out he's been doing it till till a couple of weeks ago when he and I talked about it. And uh, so with his Pentecostal background, he has some wild doctrines, but he has a testimony of salvation, though in the beginning it was a bit concerning. It, it, it wasn't clear. It was close to right, maybe close enough for me not to... Uh, not to argue with him about it, but but there was definitely some concern. But over time, he has clarified it and it's become more and more sound. Um, I mean, according to him, he listens to the men, he, he he listens to their preaching, and he has changed his position on the gospel, made it more clear. He has adopted a biblical perspective on tongues. He actually came over and talked to one of our guys and asked him, he said, you know, tell me about tongues in the Bible. This is what I think it is. Now, what does the Bible say? And they took him through a good biblical definition of speaking in tongues in the Bible, and he changed his position. And he even says, I look at people in my church speaking in tongues now, and I just shake my head. <laughs> so, and he's coming around to, to solid ideas regarding eternal security. Now, he and I, uh, the past month, have been meeting together weekly on Wednesdays. He'll come and see me when he has time. Uh, last Wednesday, he couldn't make it, but... Um, We'll sit for hours and answer his questions about the Bible. And he is so receptive and, and loves it and enjoys talking about it and is really growing. Um, he's a hard worker. He has a great spirit. And I, and I really see a lot of potential in, in him. So please pray for him. He, he is a blessing. Um, I, I'm excited to have the opportunity to, to speak with him and spend time with him. Um, 
we hope to continue working with him. Please, please, please pray for him. Now, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you so much for reading our prayer letter. Thank you for being concerned about our ministry. You can hear more audio if you're interested at plenteousredemption.media. That's that's the homepage for our for the podcast information for all all our recordings will be there and and you all our videos will be there. Everything will be on that website from here on out. You can find us on Sermon Audio. Um, uh, of course, as these podcasts go up, they are distributed to to Google Podcast and uh, iTunes or, or Apple Podcasts um, and then various other platforms as I'm able to get them up. That there's so many, it's hard to keep up with anymore. Uh, but my my intention is to consolidate it down to sermon audio and to point you there if you really want to get access to everything. Now, Google Podcast does something what that I think is very good. It, it's very helpful. Uh, while each segment of of my teaching, you know, so the cross and the culture, um, the, these monthly news updates, Haggai, Zechariah will be coming soon. Th- these are all individual podcasts through sermon audio, and so. They get their own RSS feed and they're and they're fed out to Apple iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, you know, Pocket Casts. I mean, you, you name it. There, there's so many out there. Now, what Google does is though those have their own individual RSS feed and they are fed into Google as an individual podcast, Google also on its own aggregates them and makes one one place where they can all all be heard together. So some people prefer it that way. They want all of them together. Some people only like certain segments of the podcast and would rather just be able to subscribe to that. So whatever your heart's desire is, we try to make it as available as we can. Thank you for those of you that support us. Our supporters have been unbelievably firm through these ridiculously unprecedented times. It's so confusing right now because we are clearly in a recession but people are still out spending money. <laughs> so I, I don't know if that's because, because people don't realize what is about to happen or if because jobs are still strong and, and a certain people are still getting a decent income, even though we're in a recession. I mean, it's just there, there's so many factors you need to look at. We are clearly in a recession, though our president, uh, well, not our president, the people who tell our president what to say are telling him to say we're not in a recession. It's obviously here. Inflation is, is through the roof. It's ridiculous. Um, but somehow people still still seem to be doing well. Now, at some point, all that has to catch up. And uh, regardless, through all that confusion and the economic difficulty, our churches have been a tremendous blessing. They have not slowed down at all. Please continue to pray for us. The new ministries that we're preparing uh, many of those were, were mentioned in the previous monthly missions news, as well as my prayer letter. And those are our, our public ministry. We're going to take that on the road. Number two is the pastor's school that we're trying to get set up. And number three is the ministry my wife is getting established. Those are three new ministries that will, that will start, Lord willing, by the end of this year or early next year. Finally, the translation ministry is moving along very well. Brother Gross and Brother Michael are doing a great job. It's going to take longer than than my initial goal that I set. That's okay. We will keep things moving as we need. And um, I pray that you will pray 
for those guys as they go through this tremendously difficult task. One thing we were struggling with today, brimstone. <laughs> There's no word in Luganda for brimstone. It doesn't exist. The word they used in the old Luganda Bible is a word that means matchbox. <laughs> so God rained down fire and matchboxes on Sodom and Gomorrah. Pray for them, please. Um, now, we, we found a way to work it out and, and to make sense of it, but there is no word. There is no word brimstone. We had to take the word for sulfur and the word for stone and combine them together and, and, and basically say stone of sulfur. That's what brimstone is. It's, an, it's basically an ignitable rock, a rock formation that can, be, that can be lit on fire. In fact, if you look at the synonyms for the word brimstone, sulfur is, is one of them. So um, translating a Bible, <laughs> it's, a, it's a task. So please pray for these guys as we try and do this and make it as accurate as absolutely possible so that we can hand these people an accurate copy of God's word in the Luganda language. Thank you for listening and God bless you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.